Every company has breakdowns in their revenue process. Sure thing deals slip into next quarter, competitors creep in and swipe deals away at the last minute, and deals getting single threaded that don't get to power. These are just a few examples of revenue leak, but there are a ton more, and they're preventing your team from reaching their sales targets. That's why I'm such a big fan of Clary's revenue platform. It's the only tool that actually helps leaders take control of their revenue and thrive through any market conditions, especially when things get tough. You can't afford to miss a single detail, but you also can't be leading by gut. Clary combines the science and the art of sales and sales leadership. So go to Clary.com if you want to answer the most important question in your business. Are you going to meet, beat, or miss on revenue? Welcome to the Live Better, Sell Better podcast with your host, Kevin Dorsey of Inside Sales Excellence, the number one Patreon group and YouTube channel for tech sellers and tech sales leaders, where we dive in deep for tactical advice on how to book more meetings, close more deals faster, and lead sales teams to success. But we don't stop there. We also focus on the person in salesperson. We talk about mindset, goals, time management, and so much more. So thank you for listening. And if you're interested, head on over to patreon.com slash inside sales excellence. Now with that, grab a notepad, get ready, and let's dive into the good stuff. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Live Better, Sell Better podcast. This is your host, Kevin Dorsey, a.k.a. KD. And today we're going to talk about it's a little bit of a two-parter, but of two of my favorite subjects, which is training. How do you actually train? How do you actually develop skill? How do you take junior reps and turn them into absolute sales monsters in a short period of time? And the flip side, what are the tactics and techniques that are working in the SDR world right now? Because things have changed. Things are harder. Things are tougher to get through. And you have to be better. For whatever reason, in SaaS, we have lost sight of the fact that being better is how you drive results, not just doing more. That is why I'm so excited to have Dylan Rich on the show with me today. He is the CEO over at Linked Rich and... CEO of STR Whisper, which I'm going to have all sorts of fun questions around there. So Dylan, my man, welcome to the show. Let's do this. Let's do it, brother. Thanks for having me on. For sure. So I love this topic. So early in my career, I haven't shared this story that many times. So I met Jordan Belfort early in my career. Now, whatever you think about Jordan Belfort, it is what it is. But something that I have always admired about him is he took people that you wouldn't call would be great salespeople. He took people that didn't have experience. He took people that were, you know, just, you know, called bums off the street and turned them into absolute sales machines. And so I've always loved that. It's something I've always aspired to. If I can take the right people and go. So let's talk about this a little bit around this idea of how do you take junior people and level them up quickly to succeed in the world of sales? This will be a multi-part question, obviously, but we're going to start right there from the gate. Yeah, and I think going back to the Jordan Belfort comment is, you know, especially like you just take the the movie Wolf of Wall Street, right? The guy, you know, you said ragtag bunch of guys, you know, a couple people like sold whatever it was, hung out in the backyard, but they all had the common skill set of communication. 
a lot of people put sales on a pedestal and it's like this big, scary thing, right? And at the end of the day, it's just two human beings having a conversation, one listening and kind of understanding a little bit more than the other. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's two human beings on the phone, right? Or an email. So breaking down the, the scariness of sales is a big thing for junior level people. It's like they, they make it out to be this big, scary beast. I'm like, man, you've been doing this all your life. You've been communicating, you've been in relationships, you've done sales, you just didn't know you'd done sales. So um, a lot of what we teach is, you know, kind of more on the mindset version of sales, how you approach sales and how you approach your craft on a day-to-day basis and really making like a big, scary quota, right? A quarterly quota into daily bite-sized pieces. So that's the first thing that we do is kind of break down mental barriers and limiting beliefs and allowing them to be more free and more loose and have confidence that this is something that I've already been successful in doing. I just didn't know it. Now I can kind of be more focused on it and be more intentional about it. But the first thing that we do is mindset work Mm -hmm. and allowing them to believe that they can be successful in doing something. Because if you don't have that, it doesn't matter if you have Jordan Belfort as your sales coach, it's never going to work out. That's the biggest thing that we do in the beginning of our our training and our coaching. And then kind of too faceted to that is obviously just implementing like a really good practice mm-hmm. routine and repetitions. I use a lot of analogies with the gym with our students. Like if you walk into the gym the first time in your life, you throw 315 on the bench press, you're not going to be able to do it. You got to start slow and incrementally add more weight, get your form correct and then you can move up the weight ranks, but you have to start somewhere. You may look a little bit, you know, weak in the gym in the beginning, but that's okay. Everyone starts at, starts somewhere, but that's kind of the two biggest things is the limiting beliefs, breaking down barriers, and then creating an environment where you can practice and making it a habit to continually practice your craft and get in the reps. Yeah. No, it's it's so true. And I I mean I've been ranting on this now for years and so yeah. people get it where it's like, I don't know why. I don't know why sales and especially SaaS sales thinks practice is so horrible. Yeah. No other career, no other skill. In fact, if you bumped into any CRO, any VP, bumped into them at a bar, said, oh, you're a sales leader. I'm a sales leader. That's great. Like, I got a question. How do you get good at anything? Yeah. They would all tell you the same thing. Well, you need skill, you need practice, you need repetition, feedback, coaching, an example of what good looks like. And you go, oh, you're right. Um, Do your reps get that? (laughs) <laughs> and the answer is always no. Nope. <laughs> so I want to unpack two things there to see if we can get a little bit more tactical. Cause I love it. Yeah. I start my onboarding with mindset as well. You mentioned limiting beliefs, right? Yeah. Can we go a little bit deeper on that. How do you help them? You touched on it a little bit in terms of like making it less scary and remind them to do it, but like touch on that a little bit further. Cause I think that's very powerful, especially with junior people coming in. Yeah. You know, we don't know the baggage they're carrying. We don't yeah. know the insecurities that are in there. So talk about that a little bit more on how you help people get over those limiting beliefs from the get-go. Well, you hit it right in the nail. You have to actually understand the person at a personal level. You can't just blanket mindset, right? Because other people come from different walks of life, different experiences, different things that have happened in their personal and their career paths. So actually getting to know the person and the rep that you're onboarding is super important. What makes them tick? Why do they even want to be in sales? What are they motivated by? Some people are money motivated. Some people really just want to put food on the table. Some people want to start a family. Some people have a lot of different 
backgrounds and reasons for their why, right? Some people want a Rolex, some people don't, right? So first and foremost is getting to know the person, understanding what makes them tick. That's how you're going to be able to break down different mindset barriers, as well as just like a lot of people are scared of the phones. It's interrupting somebody's day. They feel bad, right? And actually explaining to them, like, as long as you are prospecting the right people, you're reaching out to the correct prospect, right? That actually can see a positive result from the product or the service that you're selling. You're actually helping them, right? You're not selling them. You're just genuinely reaching out and helping that person because you know that you've gotten success for someone just like them. You've altered their business. They've seen a positive result, whether from a business perspective or a personal perspective. And actually genuinely caring about helping that person is going to make it so much easier for you to pick up and call somebody because you know if they pick up the phone, you're confident in what you're saying, how you're saying it. And ultimately, you're helping that individual or their business. It's no longer an intrusion. You're reaching out. Like I I give the analogy all the time. Like if you did something that's working in your life, aren't you going to tell your friends about it so they can see the same result that you're seeing? Everyone says yes. It's the same thing. You're just helping a stranger see the success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so dispelling some like, you know, the, the typical car sales, cheesy sales, corny sales tactics. And like, you're genuinely just being like a solution oriented person. You're reaching out to somebody. You're getting to know a little bit more about them, the business, making sure that they actually would be a qualified person to see the results. And then from there, your job is not to sell them. Your job is to just get enough interest to sell another conversation. That's all you got to do is be a facilitator. And I hope people are picking up on the themes here of how much chunking things down you do. Because yeah. you said it like take something big and scary like a quota, break it down. Take something big and scary like sales, break it down. Take something big and scary like running a disco call and breaking it down. It is. It's chunking. It's making it a little bit more bite-sized and yeah. digestible, which like I want to come back then to practice, right? Like, how do you run your practice sessions? Because if you even whisper the words role play across the sales org, yeah, people lose it, right? They lose their minds. Like, how do you do practice in a way that does get people feeling good, feeling confident in doing what they need to do? So the first one is being prepared. Don't just drop a role play on somebody, mm-hmm. right? They got to be mentally ready to role play right? So that's the first thing is not like an ad hoc, like, hey, guys, you know, we're gonna have lunch at our desks today and role play together. Like, I don't really want to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, so preparing them, making sure they have the scripts or whatever you're going to be role playing, and then allowing them to be amongst themselves. So not employer employee role play, where there's a little bit of like a, you know, anxiety towards it, like I'm getting judged on this. It's purely practice, right? Like if you think about it in a sports perspective, like the way you practice is the way you perform on game day. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have good practice sessions. Sometimes you have bad practice sessions. Totally fine. But it's about the act and the habit and the behavior of practicing and getting into a rhythm of practice. So in our program, every Monday, we have a 45-minute role play call and we break out into Zoom rooms and the instructors are not in those calls so much. It's purely amongst the community and you're able to role play with a peer, not somebody who's higher up than you. So it dispels some of that anxiety. 
Because that's something, too, that I think is important to talk about, especially with junior reps coming in that we don't enough, is the anxiety. I just think that's so important to address because I feel like so many sales leaders aren't willing to admit it. Like they're, they're like, no, just step in, just do it, just make make the calls, yeah. and you'll be fine. It's like, no, it doesn't. It's not that easy. Yeah, it's not always that easy. Okay, and like being okay with being terrible in the beginning. Yes, yes. Like Tiger Woods probably sucked at golf when he first started, mm-hmm. okay. but he hit so many damn balls and continued to refine his skill set that it just became common practice, right? Yes. Um, so it's oh, being okay with not being good is a big thing that people struggle with. I struggle with it. Probably you struggle with it. You always want to be great. But to be great, you have to be bad first. Yes, yes. One of my favorite quotes on learning is learning is an invisible endeavor. You suck until yeah. you don't. Yep. Like It's invisible. You can't even tell that it's working sometimes. And then it gets to that place and to that point, which is where we're trying to go. So then let's talk about this and then we'll get into tactics. Right? It's like, how do you know someone's ready? Because that's always been like the pushback some people give. It's like, well, eventually they just got to go do it, Dylan. Eventually, they just have to go do it. You got to put, well, okay, yeah. But like, how do you know? Like, what do you look for to say this person is ready versus yeah. this person is not? I think it's a willingness to try, mm-hmm. right? Like, they want to get on the phones. Like, there's a point in every salesperson's training where they're like, all right, like, <laughs> I've had enough mock calls. Like, I think I'm confident enough to do it. And I think as a manager or a leader, you have to give them a little bit of a longer leash, right? Like, have them call old pipeline right? Or older leads that are, nothing's going to happen negatively, only positively. So allowing them to have the opportunity to get the rust out, get the anxiety, get the stutters, get the mess ups, get the ums, get everything out of their system before they get put on, you know, fresher, newer leads or things like that. And giving them the confidence that you believe in their abilities to be able to do it and giving them that conviction to be able to do it. Yeah, I think that's big. That's always the the pushback. So like for my orgs, I think sometimes is rare. Enablement reports directly to me. Always yeah. does. Like I don't let enablement reports to L&D or whatever else. Like it reports directly to me. And that's one of the big things that I harp on with them is your job is to get people ready. Your job yeah. is to not get people on the phone. Your job is to get people ready. Are they ready to do the actual job? Can they pass it? And you mentioned this and I, I love it. It's like if they can't do it in practice, I know they can't do it in the game. Yeah. Period. Yeah. If they can't do it in practice, I don't need to put them in the game. Like, I know they can't do it. I'm going to make sure they can get it done there. And then that's what sets them up. And I want them feeling confident when they step on the field, not getting beat up for two weeks in a boot camp. I want them leaving that boot camp feeling like I am ready. Like, I, I yeah. can't wait to make this call to step on the field and get after it. So awesome. Yeah, the hunger and desire you can't teach. Yeah, never, never. Yet. And it's true. Like, that's why hiring is so important. That's not the topic for today's like episode, but like really hiring. I have a company I'm working with right now where they're like, ooh, should we hire this person or not? They didn't do great in their role play. I was like, well, did they pass all of your other characteristic based interview questions? Yeah. Well, like kind of, but like the role play wasn't great. I was like, I don't know. No. Did yeah. they pass the characteristic based interview questions because if that person is hungry and resilient and perseverant and is a fast learner and is bought into the mission and takes self-development seriously they're gonna win you hire them you can teach them how to do the skill right and not enough people i think focus there yeah i think like jalen hurts his first his rookie year not good (laughs) but he had a willingness to learn and refine and get better and now look at him yes exactly 
exactly. So now let's flip. Actually, one last question on training, then we'll flip it to yeah. the actual like tactics. Right? Like, how long? Right? Like, I'm pretty well known for like saying like my 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 onboarding is 90 days. I don't have people on the phone in their first four weeks. They are drilling for the first yeah. four weeks to get on the phone. How long do you train and kind of onboard people? Yeah. So obviously it depends, like you said, case by case basis to the person and their intangibles and their attributes. But usually it's around two to six months is our training program before they're ready to kind of hit the job market per se. Mm -hmm. So it depends. Like you said, the two month people are those people that are hungry and also understanding how that person operates. Like, are they somebody who has to learn by doing? Is it somebody who has to learn by knowledge? Everything comes down to knowing the person. Mm-hmm. at their core, right? And you'll kind of understand how they need to progress, but anywhere from two to six. Yeah, yeah. I think like people, again, if you were to talk about any other skill, any other skill, people would understand that, right? If yeah. I wanted to get better at basketball, if I wanted to get better at guitar, no one would say, okay, take this two-week boot camp and then go play at a bar. No yeah. one would. <laughs> but in sales, where you're talking about like million dollar deals and hundreds of thousands of dollars in compensation. Yeah. Two weeks and go figure it out. I don't know where that started. I just don't, I don't understand why that was, has become so systemic in our, if I could change one thing about our entire industry, it would be this. Yeah. One thing. Cause I think it would change everything for our industry. If reps were actually skilled if they actually understood what they were doing, if they knew how to communicate, if they knew how to negotiate, like it would change everything. Yeah. And if you throw someone in the pool that can't swim, maybe they don't drown, but they don't proficiently swim. Right. Like <laughs> that is, that is my wife in a, in a nutshell is like, she knows how to survive in the water. Right. Yeah. Now if she could hear me right now. I'm sure she's going to poke her head in the office. Like, I know how to swim. It's like, mm, <laughs> mm, ah, like, you can keep afloat and you can doggy paddle and you're yeah. strong and you're fit. So you can do the thing. 400 meter open water swim. No, yeah, you're not you're doing a butterfly stroke, you know, no butterfly, no backstroke. Like you're, you're, you're surviving in the water, not thriving. And I just wish people got to, to the thrive. So then, so let's flip it. Let's talk about some of the techniques now, right? Of like, all right, so you're onboarding, you're doing these things, especially working with SDRs. What are some of the things that you are teaching them as best practices? Yeah to succeed in that yeah. first role that they are trying to land. Yeah. So again, you'll hear the narrative is breaking things down to be bite-sized. So in our like course material, right? Usually how courses are is you watch a lot of videos, you get over inundated, over stimulated with knowledge, and you're not really truly picking apart certain aspects of the coaching of the knowledge of the training to focus on one thing. So we do video-based assessments. So after you watch a video, you then have to submit yourself practicing that one small aspect. Because in a disco call or a cold call, if you're not good in the first five to 15 seconds, I don't really care how good you are at identifying their pain points and providing a solution. You're never going to get to that point. So you have to train in like the ways you actually do it live, which is in uh, organically, right? There's specific steps and frameworks that happen in the conversation and we coach them each section and they can't move on until they're proficient enough to get past that in a live environment. So 
A, not over inundating them with a bunch of knowledge all at once and then expecting them to know what to practice and how to practice it, making it super simple. Just practice this one little part, right? The Mm -hmm. opener, the opener. Okay. Once you're good at the opener, then go into a little bit of rapport building. All right. Great. Then go into question asking and digging deeper into questions and actually being able to actively listen to what they're saying and coming up with rebuttals and follow-up and tertiary questions. And then once you're good at that, then you go to the next and the next. And then, oh, okay, now you're really good at everything. Now you can put it all together and then practice it all at once. No, I, I love that. Everything, you know, when I talk with companies and I talk with leaders, I go like, look, give me give me a skill. Whatever, whatever sport you played, instruments you played, whatever else. Did you practice the whole song every time? Practice the whole song, start to finish. No, you practice scales. You practice finger work. You practice on the fingerboard. You practice different hand, like you skilled and drilled it. You didn't do the whole thing. And I think that's something that more and more, funny enough, actually the top shelf behind me here has a lot of books dedicated to the science of learning. Because as as a leader, eventually I was like, maybe I'm just teaching it. Right. Yeah. Like maybe I'm just teaching it wrong. Like, what does it take to get good at something? And like that chunking idea down is so important. So let's talk intro. Intros are hot topics on LinkedIn, right? Like what should I say on a cold call? What is your yeah. approach to opening up a good cold call? So we do Sandler methodology, permission based ogres. Okay. So being honest, open and transparent that, hey, man, this is a cold call or hey, sorry to call you out of the blue here without an appointment. But if you just give me like 25, 27 seconds, I can tell you why I called. And then from there, you can see if it even makes sense to keep talking. Does that sound fair? Mm-hmm. And then you, A, boom, get permission to then be able to pitch. That dispels the anxiety that you're interrupting their day. They just gave you permission, right? For 30 seconds to essentially have the floor, say what you need to say, and then we can take things from there. Yeah. So that works really well. We get like 60 to 70% yeses on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hope people listening understand though, you can get 60 to 70% yeses there when you deliver it the right way. Yes. And yep. the only, only way you can deliver it the right way is the practice and repetition he's been talking about throughout all this, where that opener burns for a lot of people is that's not how they talk. And because it's not how they talk, it comes across super awkward. Hey, hey, Dylan, this is KD over at Superbiz. Um, yes, it's a cold call, and I, I'm sorry for calling you out of the blue, but um, if I could just get 27 seconds, gone. Yeah, right? gone. Like, y'all, if y'all see the video on this, he hung up on me five seconds into that, right? Yeah. It, it's not how we naturally talk. And so to make it natural, that repetition has yeah. to be there, just has to be there. And then where do you go from there? So yes, someone says yes, you just yeah. dive right into the pitch, Dylan. Just hit them with the pitch, let them know. Yeah, so it's a little bit like, yeah, like I said, my name is Dylan with the SGR Whisperer. Um, we help X, C, Y results. We commonly work with companies like yours that are doing X. Usually they come to work with us for like one of two reasons. So the first reason is major pain point that you solve for. Second reason is the adverse of that. So like a good, a good example, right, is... We help companies, you know, that aren't leveraging cold calling, be able to build a team of cold callers to put qualified meetings on the calendar, or we help companies that already are having a bunch of qualified or a bunch of meetings on the calendar, but maybe they're not showing up 
they're not as qualified. So it's kind of like an adverse of each other, right? Either you are or you aren't. So you're making it more inclusive for them to resonate with one of those points. And then after you deliver those two points, so, you know, Katie, whether you're at today, you know, which one of those kind of hit the nail on the head? Uh-huh. And then you'd say, oh, we need more appointments or our appointments aren't as good as they could be. And then that's where you would navigate. That's the fork in the road. And you would go based off of their answer. So you're making it more poignant, intentional, and what they actually want to talk about. Yeah. And what I love about that, it goes against what a lot of people say when it comes to questions, right? Is they say, like, just ask open-ended questions, which is just such a jacked up piece of advice, especially on a cold call, because open-ended questions are hard to answer. And they leave you vulnerable to information that you may not be trained to answer. Right. Like that's, that's a hard question to ask. So like, so what's top of mind? What? Like it's called me <laughs> when it's getting the conversation going, right? Yeah. It's much more like, Hey, this, this, or this, does that sound like your world? Or am I just completely off base here? I'll hang up on you if none of that applies. Right. Yeah. Like, it's more so giving some options to get the conversation going and to unpack that right so then as you go through this when do you ask for the meeting because a lot of times sdrs they get someone on and like that is their first line someone goes oh yeah sure it's like oh well great well i was hoping to get 30 minutes of your time to show you how we can xyz and help you 3x your pipeline and blah 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 blah. are you available thursday at 2 p.m yeah take take it easy man (laughs) whoa yeah when and how do you ask for for the the meeting so once they they acknowledge and like commit to saying that, yes, this is a problem inside their business. That's where you would go for your first ask. Yep. So if the problem was, yeah, we're not getting enough qualified meetings on the calendar, you'd ask questions of, okay, like, what are you guys doing today to put meetings on the calendar? What's worked in the past? What hasn't? What initiatives are you looking into to you know increase client acquisition? You get a little bit more information and then they're going to commit somewhere in those question asking that this is a problem that they need solving now or in the near future. Awesome. So honestly, it's kind of my first week here, or you know, that's a little bit above my pay grade to kind of go into the details here. What I can do is I can get you set up with X, my manager, my whatever it is. They're the one that's going to really be able to get a little bit more granular, get you the information that you actually need to see if this is going to be a fit for your company. So do you got like Wednesday or Thursday afternoon open by chance? Real quick, y'all. I want y'all to play it back. Listen to his tone. Listen to the tone of this, right? What I love, I I love, I love dealing with like people that I can tell do it because you can't help it. You can't help but turn the tone into what it needs to be going through even a completely mock situation on it. It's like, listen to his tone and how he pulls people in. And it's just like a, Hey, like, you know, what I teach my orders, we call it the might make sense. Yeah. Go on. I think this might make sense. You know, like it's a very like, okay, like we're on to something here. Let's just keep this going a little bit versus like, oh, this is the perfect thing for you. You are going to love this. I can't wait to show you that it's too much. Yeah. Pull people in, pull people through. It makes the prospect feel like they actually would be a genuinely good fit because you're not so excited. And it sounds mm-hmm. like you've done this a bunch of times and you know what is and is not a good prospect. So they yeah. feel like you're actually genuinely trying to help them in yeah. the long run instead of like being overly excited and cheesy and it's like, oh, you do this to everyone. 
Mm-hmm. It's it's we, what but it's so funny. The thread that we pull right is the make sense thread. In my intro, you said it too. It's like very similar. I don't do like the twenty seven second thing. It was like, hey, look, I was just hoping to ask a couple quick questions to see if it even makes sense to have a further combo. I mean, would that be okay? Do you got a sec? Right. So we're starting with the to see if it even makes sense. It's like mm, it may not. Yeah. Don't know. Not sure. That's actually why I'm calling to see if it is like, it's a very like, let's just see where this goes and then we can pull it That, that right there works really well on like certain objections. Like, ah, just send me some more information in an email. Yeah, totally. Katie can easily send you an email, but obviously, you know, we have a lot of information that I can send over. I want to make sure that it's actually relevant to the information that you want to kind of read and digest. So like, what is most important for you to see in like a follow-up email? Yeah, we steer everything to what we call the bucket question, right? Yeah. Like, and again, to, does it like Dylan? I could do that. It may not even make sense to do that. I could spare your inbox another email. I've got three questions to see if even the email makes yeah. sense. Like, could we do that real quick? Yeah. Almost everyone says three questions. All right, yeah, go for it. And then that's when we're hitting like, all right, like I'm talking with VPs. They're struggling with X, Y, Z. Are you struggling with that? Or you got that solved? Well, no, like we kind of see it. Okay. Like what's it? That's it. Like, or yeah, we have that solved. Okay. Second question. How'd you solve it? <sighs> Most people have solved it X, Y, Z ways. How did you solve it? Solve it like this. Yeah. No, doesn't sound like you have a problem that we solve. Mm, you've already yeah. solved it and you're solving it a good way. It's not costing you time. I mean, I guess last question would be, is there anything you do to make it better? No. Yeah. I like that. No email. No email needed done. I, I, I'm going to hold my word. That was my three questions. It doesn't sound like we're a good fit. If this ever is top of mind, let me know. Like and one of the things I teach, like especially my juniors, is like you actually want them finding areas where they can hang up. Yeah. Like you take control. Like yeah, I don't think we're the right fit. And real quick tip, y'all. You know how many people will say, "Well, hold on, what is it you do?" Yeah, yeah, they're curious. Why do you not want? Why do you not want to work? Well, what do you mean we're not the right fit? And again, this is not like pushy or sketchy. It's just like, well, it doesn't sound like you're struck. You told me you weren't struggling with this problem. That's what we solve. Are you actually seeing it? People jump in on that all the time, but you, your tone has to be very like, it's not the, well, it's not like you don't care, but it's kind of like you don't care. Yeah. Or say, like, Hey, I just want to see, just want to see what's happening here. And so I, I love that, man. So as we start to, to wrap on this a little bit, you did it for a second. A lot of objections happen when you're cold calling, right? Yeah. And most of them actually happen early on, right? Where it's yeah. like, Hey, this is KD, and you get hit with that instant. I'm sorry, like, what is this about? Or not interested? They just say it right away. Let's talk on those two as we wrap the not interested objection and the, I'm sorry, what is this call about? Like, why are you calling me? How do you teach your people to handle that? Yeah. So, kind of like you said, like, you know, might make sense, right? Is like, we're reaching out because we help. VPs of marketing just like you. So I figured it might make sense to reach out. Like I said, I did call without an appointment. So really all I was asking for is about 25, 30 seconds of your time. I can tell you why I called. And then if it doesn't make sense, I promise I'll let you go. Go back to your day. Does that sound fair? Does that sound fair is like the key. And a lot of our stuff is just asking if that's a fair proposition for them to answer, right? And that really gets the permission and dispels like the... I'm bothering somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that one's key. Cause like if they hit you, like not interested, like, so we actually did this funny enough. Um, our office used to be on third street promenade in Santa Monica. 
And like, I was like working with some of my new SDRs and I was like, look, we're actually going to do this. We went on a Thursday promenade. said, I want you to go up to 10 people and tell them that you have $10 to give them. Yeah. Uh, like, and I gave, I gave each of them like 30 bucks. Like, like, I want you to go up to 10 people and tell me, God, Hey, Hey, I'd like to give you $10. Let's see what they say. The vast majority of them came back with like 20 of their $30 where of the 10, most people said, no, like I'm all right to just a straight offer of like, Hey, I'd like to give you $10, right? Just to make the point that they know I'm all right. They're not interested. It's just a reflex. It's not a, like, they didn't no. even hear you. You're just a stranger. That came stranger. Up. Yeah, they came and up to them. Yeah, it's like, uh, no, I'm all right. Like, just offer money. I was like, hey, excuse me, I'd like to um, offer you um, ten ten dollars if you have thirty seconds for me. No, I'm I'm good. Yeah, it literally, literally, it was like, like, so what do I do if they say yes? I said, you hand them the ten dollars <laughs> and you walk away. I just want you to experience this, right? And it was just hilarious how that played out. Now let's go to the last one here of like the the why are you calling me or like what are you about? This is where I see a lot of SDRs trip up. Is someone's like, I'm sorry, like, what is this about? What do you do? And they just go yeah. full pitch mode. How yeah. do you teach your SDRs, your trainees to handle that one? Take a deep breath. Remember the training. Don't get thrown off, right? Like you are equipped to handle this conversation. What you do is actually something that matters to the person that you're calling. So always remember that in the back of your head that you are doing good by reaching out. But in regards to like the actual like verbiage, it's essentially the same type of thing. You just acknowledge. Yeah, totally understand. I'm calling you here out of the blue. We help this or you can go back to the permission based and just gain that permission for them to actually bend the ear without an objection. And no, I mean, it's funny enough with that opener that we have, we don't really get too much of like the whoop, whoop because of the way that it's structured and the tonality that you're saying. And I'm a big proponent that objections is really just a byproduct of you not doing the correct thing previous. Yes. Like if you do your job correctly, objections should be dispelled in the words that you said previous in the conversation. Yes. Like, oh man, that is so perfectly said because <laughs> when I work with teams, even my own teams, like, yeah, well, what if I get this objection? It's like, okay. Do yeah. other things. Do the other things yeah. first and then tell me if you're still getting that objection. Because yeah. to me, that's you messed up way earlier somewhere way earlier. that is like going through it. This happens often in the, the companies I go into where people are like, okay, then we get to objection handling. They say, well, how do I handle this one? It's like, are you doing the things I've taught you so far though? You're doing the permission-based opener. You're doing the bucket question. You're doing the gap questions. You're doing the might make sense. You're nailing your tonality. Like, are you sure? Because that objection shouldn't be happening if you are, right? So I think that is so, so important to remember here. So, all right, my man, as we wrap here, right, the, the name of this podcast is Live Better, Sell Better. Because yeah. I also have this weird idea, right, that if we did take better care of ourselves, if we did have more energy, more joy, more fulfillment, more laughter in our lives, that the sales would also improve. What would your Live Better advice be to people listening? Yeah. Making things easily digestible. So if you think about like a ladder, how spaced out are you putting your rungs? How easy is it going to be to go to that next step? So distilling everything personally and, you know, professionally into daily habits that are not impossible, but easy to do because it's like a hockey stick, right? Like your success is like a hockey stick. 
it's long and flat for a long period of time, and then it shoots up at the end. And being okay with delayed gratification and understanding that if I just do my inputs on a daily basis over time, compounding, it's impossible not to see success, whether that's diet, weight loss, personal relationships, hitting quota, you know, making a certain amount in commissions. If you just focus on what you can control from an input perspective, I'm going to do my 100 cold calls. I'm going to send out 50. I'm going to you know, reach out to 20 people in the pipeline. If you just do that for a long enough period of time, success is imminent. And not getting thrown off course and just focusing on what you can control on a daily basis will literally unlock unreal amounts of potential and success in your life. Ah, I love it. I love it. And also, by the way, man, your analogies have been on fire. You've been, driving, you've been driving some good ones. How close are the rungs? That was another good one to wrap on this because it's, it's the truth, right? I think, I can't remember like who said the quote right now with the internet, like and it, everything goes to Mark Twain, no matter what, eventually Mark Twain yeah. is the one that said it, right? But the idea <laughs> of like people massively overestimate what they can do in one year and massively underestimate what they can do in three. Yeah. And they just stuck with something for three years, whether that was health and fitness, wealth, like truly investing in a relationship all the three years can change everything. So Dylan, my man, this was absolutely fire. Where can people find more of you? Where are you putting out content? How can they get more Dylan Rich in their lives? Yeah. So branded across all platforms as the SDR Whisperer. So on Twitter, SDR Whisperer, YouTube, the SDR Whisperer, LinkedIn, Dylan Rich. I think my slug is the SDR Whisperer. So if you just Google the SDR Whisperer, you should be able to, you know, get in contact view the content. We put a lot of videos, a lot of posts out on a day-to-day basis. So, Oh, yes, my man. Well, sign, find him, sign up, watch the clips, follow this man's advice. Dylan, my man, thank you so much for your time today, dude. You as well, brother. Thank you. Oh, yeah.